The Obscenity of War. I'm Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now! with my weekly Breaking the Sound Barrier podcast. President Barack Obama has just returned from his first trip as commander-in-chief to Afghanistan. The U.S.-led invasion and occupation of that country are now in their ninth year, amidst increasing comparisons to Vietnam. Daniel Ellsberg, whom Henry Kissinger once called the most dangerous man in America, leaked the Pentagon Papers in 1971. Ellsberg, who was a top Pentagon analyst, photocopied the secret 7,000-page history of the U.S. role in Vietnam and released it to the press, helping to end the Vietnam War. President Obama is taking every symbolic step he can to denominate this as Obama's war. Daniel Ellsberg cites the Eikenberry memos, written by U.S. Ambassador to Afghanistan Carl Eikenberry, which were leaked, then printed last January by The New York Times. Again, Dan Ellsberg. Eikenberry's cables now, at this stage, read like a summary of the Pentagon Papers of Afghanistan. Uh, and that's the first installment of papers that we need right now. Just change the place names from Saigon to Kabul and the Afghan national forces uh, serving as the surrogate of our mercenary um, Arvin of Vietnam, then they read almost exactly the same. The Eikenberry memos recommend policies opposite those of Generals David Petraeus and Stanley McChrystal, who advocated for the surge and counterinsurgency campaign in Afghanistan. Eikenberry wrote that President Hamid Karzai is not an adequate strategic partner and that, quote, sending additional forces will delay the day when Afghans will take over and make it difficult, if not impossible, to bring our people home on a reasonable timetable, unquote. Petraeus and McChrystal prevailed. The military will launch a major campaign in June in Afghanistan's second-largest city, Kandahar. Meanwhile, with shocking candor, McChrystal said in a video conference this week regarding the number of civilians killed by the U.S. military, quote, "...we have shot an amazing number of people, but to my knowledge, none has ever proven to be a threat," unquote. U.S. troop fatalities, meanwhile, are occurring now at twice the rate of a year ago. Tavis Smiley has a PBS special this week on one of the most powerful and overlooked speeches given by the Reverend Martin Luther King, Jr. Dr. King gave the address on April 4, 1967, exactly one year to the day before he was assassinated. As I have walked among the desperate, rejected, and angry young men, I have told them that Molotov cocktails and rifles would not solve that problem. The press vilified Dr. King. Time magazine called the speech demagogic slander that sounded like a script for Radio Hanoi. Tavis Smiley talked about the significance of King's speech today. Most Americans, I think, know the I Have a Dream speech. Some Americans, Amy, know the mountaintop speech given the night before he was assassinated in Memphis. But most Americans do not know this Beyond Vietnam speech, which got King again in a world of trouble. If you replace the words Iraq for Vietnam, Afghanistan for Vietnam, Pakistan for Vietnam, this speech is so relevant today. Like Dr. King, President Obama is a recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize. 
In his acceptance speech, Obama mentioned King six times, yet defended his war in Afghanistan. Princeton University professor Cornell West, interviewed by Tavis Smiley, said of Obama's Nobel speech, It upset me when I heard my dear brother Barack Obama criticize Martin on the global stage, saying that Martin Luther King Jr.'s insights were not useful for a commander-in-chief because evil exists, as if Martin Luther King Jr. didn't know about evil. Martin Luther King Jr. was fighting terrorism. He was an anti-terrorist. He was fighting Jim Crow and Jane Crow. Martin Luther King Jr. knew something about evil, more so than many of us, including our beloved president. In early March, Congressman Dennis Kucinich, the Democrat of Ohio, offered a resolution to end the war in Afghanistan. He said, We will have a chance, for the first time, to reflect on our responsibility for troop casualties that are now reaching 1,000, to look at our responsibilities for the cost of the war, which approaches $250 billion, our responsibility for the civilian casualties and the human cost of the war, our responsibility for challenging the corruption that takes place in Afghanistan. The resolution was defeated by a vote of 356 to 65. A Washington Post poll of 1,000 people released this week found that President Obama enjoys a 53 percent approval rating on his handling of the war in Afghanistan. The public is unlikely to oppose something that gets less and less coverage. While the press is focused on the salacious details of Republican National Committee spending on lavish trips, especially one outing to a Los Angeles strip club, the cost to the U.S. taxpayer for the war in Afghanistan is estimated now to be more than $260 billion. The cost in lives lost and people maimed is incalculable. The real obscenity is war. Ellsberg hopes that the Eikenberry memos will be just the first of many leaks and that a new wave of Pentagon papers will educate the public about the urgent need to end Obama's war. I'm Amy Goodman with Dennis Moynihan.